In this week's update, stock and sector selection has never been more critical, and caution is absolutely warranted, and more mega deals in lithium. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only, and please remember to like and subscribe to the video. Let's start with our normal market perspective. Uh, what's bothering me a bit at the moment is the lack of US market breadth. Yes, the indices are advancing, particularly the NASDAQ, but um, the, the leadership is very, very narrow. It's not normal uh, and it's not particularly health, <coughs> healthy, beg your pardon. You want to see at this stage, you want to see the advance much more broadly based. So I'm a bit, bit nervous, a bit sceptical about um, what's happening in the US market and hence the sentiment for the rest of the world. So if I can sum it up, I'd say my confidence in indices is low. But my confidence in selected Aussie stocks is sky high. There really are some fantastic opportunities in the Australian market. If we look at the US market, we've got a battle going on between the fact that stocks are falling, but many stocks are falling because of a slowdown or a fear of a slowdown. And on the other side, we've got upward pressure on some stocks because the market is anticipating an end to the rate cycle. So does, does a recession mean the Fed backs off sooner and reduces rates sooner? Probably. How does the market react to that? No one knows because it's a sentiment driven thing. So that's the battle at the moment. Um, who wins? I think as I've been saying for quite some time now that you really want to stay with stocks where the earnings certainty uh, and earnings growth is as strong as you can get it. And if you can do that, then you're on a reasonably solid footing. Doesn't mean that the stock price can't fall, but it, but it does mean that the stock price will almost certainly rebound um, fairly strongly. The US financial system, is it out of the woods? That was the question I posed last week. Um, I think it's most unlikely, and we saw another regional bank in the States, PacWest, under very severe pressure, 10% of their deposits uh, were gone in uh, in a week, and the share price is getting absolutely crucified. More broadly, the debt ceiling debate is, or you wouldn't even call it a debate, it's a standoff, is uh, a complete shambles. It's an indictment of the American political system that this regularly keeps popping up. I guess at the 11th hour, it'll get resolved somehow and the US um, uh, government won't get shut down. But look, it's all unnecessary and it just makes the markets nervous. We've also got recession fears, um, which are either uh, a possible recession or recession is a done deal, which increasingly seems to be the case. So I think this is a time to be super cautious on selection, on, on where, where you're entering. You certainly want to be entering on, on weakness. You don't want to be chasing prices. And you just need to be very clear about your game plan and what you're doing. So tricky market at the moment. Let's look at the American stocks. The S&P was down 0.3% uh, across the week. I think it was down 0.8% the, the previous week. We've got the economic data, which is weakening. We've got the regional bank situation, the debt ceiling. Um, it's all creating nervousness. But through all of that, we've got the NASDAQ at an eight-month high, which is pretty amazing. And um, I'll show you a chart of Google in a minute that, um, that really 
I guess underscores what's happening in the in the US market. It's it's the outperformance of stocks like Google and Apple, um, and uh, and to a degree Amazon that is basically driving the indices. So if you want to just look at the indices, you're really getting a completely erroneous picture of what's happening uh, across the broad US market, because the leadership is just very narrow. And as I said right at the start, not healthy. US dollar index um, was up a little bit. Thursday and Friday were were quite strong days. Um, 102.69. We saw the 10-year yield pretty much steady at three and a half. Uh, The VIX also pretty steady around 17. So there certainly is an element, given all the potential problems, there's an element of of eerie calm in the the American market, if I can put it that way. Uh, The 10-year, two-year spread is still sitting around about 0.5%, and it's been flashing recession now for, I guess it's probably nearly 12 months. Let's get to the charts. We'll start with the NASDAQ and you can see we've got a really nice breakout, really nice uptrend. All of your moving averages are all stacked up in the right direction and the index value is above all of them. We're approaching some resistance. I'm not sure what that really means for the indices, to be honest. But um, just for the record, we're approaching uh, some resistance up there on the NASDAQ. But uh, look, that strength is being driven particularly by stocks like this, by Google. And you can see we've had a very, very strong surge in the latter half of last week. Uh, Apple also looking very strong. So that's the overall US market. Let's look at where the the individual money is going, or we'll have a look at the S&P first. So the S&P, as opposed to the NASDAQ, is just going sideways. NASDAQ trending higher, S&P sideways. And if we look at, um, let's go to the spreads. So this is the weekly chart, large cap growth versus large cap value. Obviously, the Googles and the Apples are contributing strongly to this chart. So it, it looks impressive, but it's it's not as impressive as it, as it would seem. I, I would like to see a, a lot more participation from other growth stocks as well, not just the mega caps. So that's hence my caution. US semiconductors versus the S&P. Yeah, pretty much a neutral week, but still medium term is setting higher highs and higher lows. Uh, NASDAQ versus the S&P, as we can see, is, um, is still setting higher highs and higher lows. But this is the key one for me. So this is the NASDAQ versus the Russell 2000 for small caps. And you can see that um, that the NASDAQ is outperforming massively, or if you look at it the other way, the Russell is underperforming. So that's the relative chart. And then if we look at the Russell itself, it's looking pretty drab. And it's um, it's, if anything, it's pointing a little bit to the downside. We've got a bit of a downward bias um, there and it's not looking particularly healthy. So that's my concern with um, with the US market. The Aussie market, um, our dollar finished under 66. The index was up 0.5% uh, across the week. 
Looking at the bank's earnings results, and I'm sure you've read plenty about this in the last couple of weeks, uh, but it's highly, highly likely that Australian bank stocks have seen their peak earnings. That doesn't mean that the share price can't go up, but what it means is that it would have to be expansion of their PE ratios that would be doing the work, and that, at this stage of the cycle, is, is very dangerous for the PE ratios to be expanding. So um, I don't think you should have very much uh, expectations around the, um, the bank stocks continuing to move higher. Through the week, we also saw weak Chinese manufacturing and consumer demand. So that's obviously a concern for, um, um, for a lot of parts of our economy. But small caps are really starting to, sorry, small caps really starting to get a bid now and looking much better. So that, that process of, as you come out of a bear market, the, the leadership is the large caps initially, and then it starts to filter down. And we're seeing um, quite a few areas, and not just mining, where the small caps are, uh, are starting to, to rise to, uh, to the top. Right, let's just take a quick look at the Aussie market. So there's the ASX 200, not a lot happening here, and we're still at the same level that we were at in May of 2021. So two years, the Aussie index has done nothing. If we look at materials over that same period of time, you'll find that it also looks almost exactly the same, which is no surprise because materials and bank stocks tend to make up um, a big percentage of our overall index. Um, so if we look at finance, we should see something quite similar. So we've got to go back to, yep, uh, Mark, a little earlier. So it's about uh, 26 months on finance. But if we look at energy, um, and energy nowhere near as impressive in Australia as it has been in, um, in America. So if we go back to May of 2021, that gets us in about here. You can see energy has done, uh, has done better. But it, as I said, nowhere near as well. As, uh, as the states. <coughs> Pardon me, turning to precious metals. Gold down $9 to um, 2011. Um, plenty of buying support, despite the fact that the US dollar moved um, quite strongly higher on Thursday and Friday, uh, yet the gold price wasn't off very much at all. And, and uh, I think actually went up slightly on Friday. So the, that equates to a, a premium for fear. And that makes sense because there's plenty to be, uh, to be concerned about in the market at the moment. It's also higher in Australian dollars, uh, 3,056, so very profitable for Australian producers. Looking at GDX on a global basis, pretty boring. Um, not a lot to get excited about there, but there's certainly in Australia, particularly with gold developers, um, looking much, much better. So let's just have a quick look at those charts. <clears throat> this is the weekly for gold. You can see down a little bit, um, but still holding on to this um, fairly important support around 2000. <clears throat> and uh, there's gold on a daily. And if we look at silver, silver really did come off very, very hard on, uh, on Thursday. So US dollar, you can see this is US dollar on a weekly chart, quite uh, quite a strong move. But most of that was uh, was Thursday and Friday, 
And just completing the picture, there's the Aussie dollar. Uh, GDXJ. Is pointing in a positive direction, so the moving averages are up, but it's not terribly exciting, I'd have to say. And, and we're seeing a lot more potential upside in advanced developers, particularly those with, with world-class deposits. Turning to other commodities now, copper was down um, with the combination of the, the currency effect and also recessionary fears and the, the uh, data coming out of, uh, out of China. Nickel also dropped uh, about 10% on the week as well, so pretty big move. A key issue that is really starting to become obvious now is the conflict between environmental um, and social considerations around mining and expanding mining and the need for critical metals development. And um, <clears throat> it's hard to know how that one's going to, um, going to clarify because the, um, you know, the, the really... Uh, zealous um, climate activists, uh, you know, are demanding more in the energy transition, but an essential part of that is um, is the development of uh, critical battery materials. So um, I don't know how that one's, um, that one's going to resolve, but it certainly, for sure, is slowing down the supply response. And so we are almost certainly destined for higher commodity prices because supply, even if there weren't barriers in regulations and other hindrances, supply was always going to have trouble keeping pace with demand. But these other restrictions is just going to slow it down. That's going to mean higher commodity prices, higher inflation. So we're in, a, um, we're in an incredibly um, precarious position with respect to financial markets, I believe, for, for, for years to come. And that's why it's just so important to, um, to be very clear about what you're doing. Crude oil, uh, 70.1, um, not a lot of change there in the week. But I do note China imports were down 16% in April, which is, uh, which is pretty significant. Looking at other commodities, lithium prices I've been talking about uh, I've created a, a spot for them in this presentation um, for, uh, for quite a number of weeks now. Um, lithium prices certainly confirming the contrarian opportunity that I, that I talked about um, about three or four weeks ago. Um, the rebound started with local stock prices in, uh, in mid-April, and you may recall um, on the 23rd of April, um, I said it was time to put our contrarian hats on, that the sell-off in lithium stocks was totally overdone and we were close to the bottom. And it turned out with the benefit of hindsight that the bottom was the week before. Um, and then on the 30th, um, I said that there was a um, momentum building in copper stocks and that is still a bit stop-start at this stage, but there's definitely some improvement in, um, in the copper space. But particularly with lithium, I was talking about the, just the fabulous opportunity that exists in, in lithium. Um, and we've got acquisitions, we've got lots of mineral resource estimates being declared, um, stocks that have got an X factor that are going to come into the, the sites of bigger players for a takeover. Um, so, you know, that's something I've been focusing on in portfolio analyst is identifying the stocks 
that have got the X factor because whether they end up attracting a takeover offer or not, they're going to get a premium. The market is going to give them a premium price in anticipation of a likely takeover. And I think you're going to continue to see that accelerate. So there are hundreds and hundreds of lithium stocks, gold stocks, copper stocks. It's so important um, to identify the ones that have got that X factor because the, there's not enough money in the market to support them all. You know, not everything is going to go up. It's just going to be a, a small number of stocks that really are the standouts. So, um, look, the, the bottom line with all these battery materials stocks is that demand is being constrained by supply. It's not, it's not demand itself. Um, the, and the only way to fix a supply issue is for companies to explore and find more uh, or to acquire and, and or acquire. So I think the this acquisition cycle that's just going to filter down the line um, is just going to build and build in momentum. So very exciting period, not only for lithium, but for other battery material stocks. But certainly lithium is the one that's, um, that's really got the market excited again now. Um, so I think it's a given that we see improved product prices, which means um, a lot more money for exploration, a lot more um, focus on, on acquisitions. So it's just all snowballs. And you can throw on top of that potential supply disruptions in South America. Certainly, you know, Chile is looking pretty, uh, pretty iffy. Um, Peru has certainly been making noises that aren't mine, mining friendly. Um, we've got inflation in Argentina that's absolutely off the charts um, and likely political instability there as a consequence. And so how all that flows through to um, to government policy remains to be seen. But at the very most, I mean, some companies, uh, I think I read through the week that, that Rio is, is holding off with uh, some development in Argentina because inflation is running so high that it would just blow out the cost of the projects. So the situation in South America is not helping. It's all, um, it's all leading to a, uh, a reduction in supply or a lack of expansion in supply to meet the demand. The small caps are the exciting space for me. Um, so, you know, expect, uh, expect to see a lot more activity in that, uh, that area. There's uh, the copper chart, a um, little bit higher in terms of the, um, the warehouse levels, but it's not, it's not the warehouse levels that, that created the price during the week. It was, you know, the combination of um, the US dollar spiking up and also what's happening in China or what's not happening in China, more to the point. Here's the nickel chart showing a pretty big dip um, through the week, but no response from nickel, nickel stocks. So nickel stocks still falling. So that's gonna keep, uh, it's gonna keep some buoyancy in the nickel price, that's for sure. All right, wrapping it up, um, the Aussie market is pretty typical of the situation that we've got at the moment. And that is that if you've got um, if you've got a diversified portfolio that looks something like the index and behaves something like the index, 
it's giving you nothing. It's been giving you nothing for two years. So, and, and you know, with, with, all the, with all the headwinds that markets are facing, I don't see why that's going to change, to be honest. So we could be looking at the Australian index at a similar level in, um, in another year or two's time. The opportunity is in quality small caps and mid caps um, and also in, uh, in resources. That's, that's where the real opportunity is because it's almost certain that those sectors are going to remain buoyant, that they're going to have strong earnings growth. So to me, you want to go where the greatest certainty is. The next few years offers just enormous opportunity, more, more likely and larger than I can ever remember in my three and a half decades in the market. But there will be massive volatility to go along with it. So it's going to be tricky. Portfolio analysts last week, we looked at battery materials stocks um, and the fact that really the best is yet to come in that, uh, in that space. We also looked at a, a very enticing stock opportunity that um, has already started kicking some goals in the first few days. Um, and just the reality of using mechanical trading systems, which, um, you know, which some people find uh, attractive, but they've certainly got their pitfalls. That's it for this week. More information on the website. And there's my email address uh, for anyone that wants to um, contact me. And I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.